RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Wednesday morning is the morning for our Legal Hub feature. Usually we have Katie Ashby-Coppins and Nick Kearney on the program. They can't make it this week, but instead I'd like to welcome lawyer and uh, recent uh, New Zealand First candidate, Kirsten Murphitt, to our Legal Hub. Kirsten, welcome in. Thanks for coming on. Good morning, Paul. How are you this morning? I'm good, but how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm glad to have the campaign out of the way. Yep. Felt like it went really, really well, learned a lot, and just really happy that we've got eight great people into Parliament. Yeah, it was interesting that... um that uh, whole thing around uh, that that change out of uh, democracy and Z that seemed I mean it's, it sounded a bit uh, a bit uh, turbulent at the time, but choppy. And I remember talking to you about mm. that at the time. But the timing was pretty pretty well bang on. It was yeah. Sometimes you just look back and things just happen for certain reasons. And I believe that was one instance. And just so happy I found New Zealand first. And, and it's a true res- democratic party. And look at the result for you know. I mean, they tried and it, it didn't go too far. So, all right, um, I have to, before we get into talking legal stuff, and this is around the international health regulations, your petition, <laughs> deadlines, et cetera, how you've been treated lately, um, <laughs> all those things. First, though, I, I'm going to have to ask you, because our listeners will be wondering this, is there anything you can tell us in general terms about how this, and we've only had it for a week, how this uh, government forming process is going have you heard anything about i don't know the uh, disposition of the various parties the um the flow of communication and any idea of how long this will take you have to ask on behalf of the listeners yeah i do have to be careful i have heard some stuff um i understand that good relationships and communication are going on in the background um the hoping Everyone's aware that people are wanting a government formed as quickly as possible. So that's probably all I can really say at the moment without giving okay. much, too much detail. Is there an awareness on the New Zealand First side, another question on behalf of our listeners, of how much is resting on the shoulders of the the people, and that includes you really, in, in that party, mm. um, uh, on behalf of by the people who voted that way? There, it seems to me that um, there is a what's the word? An expectation that mm. um, there's no going soft here. That we're in a battle for the country and we go hard, even if it's awkward. We are on a mission to take our country back. We also have to be aware we've only got eight, but we're in a powerful position. This is Winston's legacy. So I don't think he's going to be backing down on anything. And he's famous for his negotiation skills. Yep. And he's also a true statesman and diplomat. Okay. So we got those out of the way. Thank you for Great. answering <laughs> those questions. Okay. So international health regulations. Yes. The <laughs> December 1st deadline that um, compresses the time frame, et cetera. We've mm-hmm. talked a lot about that here at RCR. And most recently we have been wondering, desperately wondering what happens with this deadline, given we're in this kind of almost a no man's land of caretaker governments and 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 things forming up, and and this being a big deal that needs to be addressed addressed pretty quickly within what three weeks now. So, what can you tell us about the determination of a New Zealand First um, component of a government making sure that we don't uh, 
step into something that we will find it very difficult to get out of. Well, Winston's been speaking out for a very long time about overseas bodies interfering in our sovereignty and also the will of the people. So he's been speaking out on a specific issue and he spoke publicly, he has before as well, but he just, I guess, re-clarified on Sunday that he will be taking the 1st of December amendment into negotiations. Um, I kind of, what, a week and a bit ago, just decided to start this petition just to see what happened because I just think we've got a new government coming into play. It would seem sensible just to reserve the decision. Why because there's tacit acceptance, why accept it when we've got a new government? Like everyone's got to get up to speed. We've got to do the due diligence. So it seems like a no-brainer to me. Yeah, um, this is bigger than just members of parliament, though, isn't it? This is Mm. all of us, and and we need to have a fully informed say on it, almost referendum level. But we need to be highly educated about it, too, because it's not a sort of throwaway decision. So... Can you see so any you probably, of that going to that level? So probably, as you understand, there's two parts of it. So the 1st of December, that amendment was actually decided back in 2022. And then we have to the 1st of December to opt out. Yeah. If we don't opt out, it's tacit acceptance, which means that future amendments we will have instead of 18 months, we'll have 10 months to decide whether to opt in or out. And instead of 24 months to implement, we will have 12 months to implement. Then when we come to May, in the background, they're doing, it's 307 amendments to the current um, International Health Regulations 2005. But they're still being to and fro. um, And it was actually announced early October, they don't think they're actually going to get to the deadline of January because it should be that every nation has four months to consider the final draft for acceptance in May. And they've said they don't think they're going to actually get to that. So they're wanting to keep amending right up to May. Right. Okay. Which just, I mean, how can one, most New Zealanders don't even know about yeah, well, this is what international I'm health regulations. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know the implications. Um, reading through some of cabinet minutes, they don't even know the financial cost of this. So we really need to be pushing back to understand what we're signing up to because they've gone from in the draft as non-binding to binding, and there's some really interesting clauses in there. Yeah, that flip from binding to non-binding, and I think there's a, a few other changes of language as well. Why would anyone want to do that, do you think? Obviously to make them more onerous and more difficult to get out of. So as you probably understand with these treaties and international instruments, people go, oh, well, you can just walk away from them. I had somebody this morning telling me that there were going to be, there were no big deal, you could just walk away. But as we've seen with UNDRIP, et cetera, we actually implement them into our domestic law which makes them more difficult to unpick. And also you've got the pressures of the other nations as well to stay in line. So you could, if there was a pandemic for some reason and say New Zealand decided not to follow the recommendations, the other nation could actually go to the international courts and claim damages against New Zealand. I mean, that's very simplistic. But that's well, that's what Kiwis always. did to each other on a small scale over yeah. the, the two years. <laughs> that is true. Who wouldn't do that? Yeah. 
And we could be ostracized, or any nation could be ostracized from sort of normal international discourse and involvement, mm. right? Sort Absolutely. Of like there could be trade implications, embargoes, restrictions of travel. But, I mean, if we go into lockdown, there's restrictions of travel anyway. So the, also- yeah, I was just going to ask you about that approval back in 2020. Mm. Just explain that one more time, please. So... Sue Gray did some amazing work through the Official Information Act back then, and we actually have a letter from Tedros, the head of um, WHO. That, sorry, that's his first name. I'm not very good at pronouncing his surname. Yeah, yeah. He actually wrote to Jacinda Ardern, and you remember back then we were told that masks do not work, and we had all, all the little talking head scientists pulled out, don't worry about masks, they don't work, just wash your hands, it's okay. Then we she got a letter from Tedros telling her that basically she had to be involved in this, lead the people, implement, and then two days later, the lockdowns came into play. So why would she follow only... that advice? What, who's he? I mean, I know he's the WHO, but no one even knows who he is. the International Health yeah. Regulations 2005 are already in place, okay. and we're meant to follow them anyway. Right. So what they've done is... Even though we've patted ourselves on the back in New Zealand and we've given knighthoods and damehoods and New Zealander of the Year, the Who's saying that it actually didn't work very well, so that we need to revise and also strengthen. Okay, so we didn't we didn't do a great job in the Who's eyes. Well, basically, the whole world didn't do a good job. So what they've actually said is in recognition of a catastrophic failure of the international community in showing solidarity and equity, this is the new buzz phrase, equity, in response to the coronavirus pandemic, is why they're bringing in this review and also strengthening the international health regulations, as long also they're bringing in the pandemic treaty. We've also got the United Nations um, treaty as well. So there's a whole lot of different documents in play which will all intermingle and strengthen the pandemic response. Solidarity and equity aren't medical terms, are they? No. There's um, some really interesting terminology. Um, Sorry. It's all right. Had a bit of a cold. Clear it out. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Excuse me. Um, So lots of people will be like, well, what's the big deal if we haven't heard about it? How can it actually affect us? If it was really bad, Kirsten surely would have heard about it. That's a, and I, I've heard people say that too. And yeah, fair enough question. But lawyers and politicians, especially over in Europe, and we've also got um, Craig Kelly over in Australia, are speaking out about this because, like anything, the devil's always in the detail. So there are specific words like potential. So we're moving from a public health risk, which is the existing wording in the regulations to all risks with the potential to impact public health. So what does that actually mean? Yeah. What so, does it mean? I don't know. It could mean so anything, right? To our politicians to be informing the public about what this actually means and what are the implications and the financial costs of it. So, so why, be- why, why haven't they done that? Because they clearly haven't done that because most people are just waking up now if they're waking up at all. Seems to be an epic fail in communication here. This is the reason I'm raising the issues, because in a democracy, the politicians are meant to represent the people. That's why it's called the House of Representatives. 
So we, they should be telling us what the implications of this are. It's not for me to be telling the public what the implications are. It's up to the politicians to be coming to us and saying, this is what we're thinking of doing. Do we have your consent? And the reason I say that is we had a referendum on a flag. How much did that cost us? Well, there was a misdirection play, but okay. <laughs> but yet we're being signed up to these binding regulations, which also bring in another pandemic treaty without even being talked about. Um, and what is even more scary, it's not even going through the house. So the other day I found a note from 2022 where Stuart Smith asked Andrew Little, the then Minister of Health, yep. about whether this amendment in terms of the reduced time frame would be debated in Parliament. And he said, no, it would not because it does not apply and it would just be tacit acceptance. So it's just, it's like it's been predetermined that we're just doing a rubber stamp exercise. We won't alert the public because people like me might speak out and others. But surely we should have a say in this because if we get to May, we've then got... 12 months, like how are we going to get up to, to communicate 307 amendments? It's impossible. Those implications, looking at how it's going to affect our domestic law, how the treaty feeds into it. And this is why the Murray Health Authority actually has an issue with the reduced timeframes as well. Right. Well, that's interesting. So mm-hmm. um, the um, that uh, information there, the question and the response from Andrew Little, so do you think because this is always the the big question do you think do you think that there are some who are aware realize what it is and know what the public will think so therefore can never mention it but in a nefarious way are sort of like conspiring to impose this on their own country or is there just some sort of blind spot ignorance I think it's more probably blind spot ignorance Really? So when I started doing my research, I kept on saying the word minor. So they're saying this first December amendment is just minor. And so they've been advising all the politicians and especially cabinet, it's just minor. It's only a reduced time frame. So who's been advising the politicians of that then? Well, the bureaucrats. Okay. So this yeah. is a bureaucratic plot. <laughs> I don't know if it's a plot as such. Well, it's got to end somewhere. It's got to, it's got to hit the the top layer somewhere. Yeah, I, I don't know where this is coming from, and I can't answer that question. But once again, that should go back to Parliament. It is their responsibility to tell us people where it's being driven from. Yeah. So when it comes to public health and pandemics and everything, there's mm-hmm. been changes of wording there too, right, to remove the actual health bit. It's anything that could impact. I think you just mentioned that before on public health. So that's how long is a piece of string, isn't it? As a lawyer, I just look at that and go, well, what does that mean? I mean, there's no definitions, but they've just put in all these new definitions. So I'll just read, actually grab the working draft. Sure. So for health products, it includes therapeutics, vaccines, medical devices, personal protective equipment, um, assistive products, cell and gene-based therapies. Oh. This is all getting a little bit odd. Isn't that GM, GMO territory now? Well, it says, 
and their components, materials, and parts or parts. So I would really like to know what the thinking is behind this. And also, like normally with an act, say if you had gene-based therapies, you'd then have another definition to explain what gene-based therapy is. But it's just very vague. Okay. Like if you well, got mRNA is a gene-based therapy, isn't it? Yeah. So the horse is already bolted there. So Maybe. in this major amendment of the regulations, the 307 amendments at the moment, there are one, two, three, four. There's five definitions. When you normally go to an act, you know at the front it says interpretation and definitions. There's usually just a couple of pages of explaining what everything means. So it just seems a bit odd from a legal perspective. Yeah. Okay. And uh, would that be to minimize again specific knowledge out there in the marketplace? Well, maybe they just haven't got good legal advice. I can't believe that, though, can you? <laughs> well, you'd think not. You'd think that they've got Rolls-Royce legal advice. doesn't matter what it costs. Or maybe they just, like, want it to be nice and wide. So they can so that... play around with everything. Mm, I wouldn't say that it would probably be labelled as a conspiracy theorist, but maybe flexibility well, might be you, a way. You've got to explain why why things are like they are if it, they kind of don't make sense mm. you know um yeah um i have a little saying and whether it applies to this situation or not is when things don't make sense there's usually a bigger agenda behind it yeah i'm with you on that one yeah but it also like feeds into article 18 which are the recommendations which are legally binding so that covers everything from require metal medical examinations, require proof of vaccines, place people under public health observation. There goes your freedoms. Yep. Refuse entry. So it's basically all those onerous things we had during the COVID-19 regime, which I guess at the start kind of made sense to some people, but we've all felt I don't think whether you're vaccinated, unvaccinated, whether you agreed, disagreed, I think most Kiwis felt the impact of the regime. Like you couldn't go to funerals, you couldn't go to weddings, you couldn't go to a birth of a child. It was heartless. It was really, really heartless. And like if we knew what we knew now, would we do that again? Some might, but I think vastly no. Yeah. Um, but again, they all know that. So this is a perfect, if you, if you want to get um, right up there, this is a perfect um, regime to control people, no matter what. Well, they talk about One Health. Um, Boris Johnson mm. spoke out when these first came into play about One Health. And they make it a little, well, I don't know if they make it confusing. As a lawyer, I found it quite confusing, and I've spoken to other lawyers who have found it quite confusing as well, because mm. normally you'd have one sort of act or body of work. So we've got the international health regulations over here, the reduced timeframes, then the amendments, and then over here we've got the United Nations pandemic one, then we've got the new pandemic treaty coming in. And so we've got all these different bodies at play. So... The pandemic treaty, the new one, talks about climate as well. So they're talking yeah. about climate change. And Tedros came out the other day and said 
the climate crisis is a health crisis. So, um, and Germany's backing them up as well. So there is a crisis. Is there? Who says who? Him. <laughs> yeah, and there is a lot of debate and a lot of people coming forward at the moment saying the science isn't settled. No, but that's one of my biggest concerns about this overall regime. If we've just got one body controlling what health is out of Geneva and they will dictate what science is and there's no questioning or debate, science kind of disappears and potentially democracy disappears as well. Well, that's what you want if you want to control. And if you think about it, climate, and what do I know? I'm just guy on the street. But climate is the perfect fear driver because you can call it a climate crisis. I don't know how many people have said to me, oh, what about the climate crisis? Um, That one sticks. And if you you, um, talk against it, you are now, um, by the line extension, threatening people's health. So it's a perfect propaganda persuasion method if you wanted to, <laughs> if you wanted to read that into it. And why why shouldn't we read that into it? Well, we've also got to be looking at who the funders are behind who as well. So we've got the state nations, they call them state members, who put in contributions. Yeah. And then we also have the non-state members, such as Garvey, the Bill and Melinda um, yep. Gates Foundation, that all have, I'd say, a conflict of interest because of their interest in vaccine companies. Yep. And it's been really interesting to read the amendments and how many times the word vaccine is actually mentioned. So it's in there a lot. Yeah, so I just think we need to slow things down and actually do our due diligence, make sure that our politicians are aware of what's in here, that they can communicate that to the public. It would be great if there actually was a referendum. But well, the first step be. is... How could there not be? Well, I'm advocating for a referendum, yeah, no, but I'm only uh, one person. And good. Yeah. But but um, if we can have it for the bloody flag, mm. even though it was a complete misdirection play, and quite a smart one, actually, at the time. Mm. It got but, I mean, that's why I brought that example up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but it shows you how... Yeah, there's just no equivalent. So, um, so we have to ha- have that. Um, is that is that what New Zealand First would be keen on doing? It's a whole process. So I've just started looking at the process, but it's whether we actually have time. So it's November now. They're hoping that we have concluded and adopted these new amendments in May. Yeah, that's not far away. But to do a referendum, you've got to put in your proposal, then you go back and forth with parliamentary services, just as I have with this amendment. They've made me use the word minor amendments in the petition request. Why do they make you? Why? Because you go back and forth with them. I finally, they emailed me late Friday afternoon. I saw the email Saturday morning, I'm like, do I wait till Monday and then go back to them and then we start the whole process again? Or do I just suck it up and get the petition out? Fair enough. Given that it's so close to the 1st of December. Yeah, but but changing non-binding to binding is not minor. They're saying because it 1st of December only relates to the okay, time yeah. frame. But we know where it leads. It okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Like compa- <laughs> it's being compartmentalised. Exactly. So it's kind of like it's lockstep, really. Right. But still, um, shouldn't the description of that be up to you, the the person generating the petition? I mean, you know what you want to 
get out. I there. would love it if it was, but I've been involved in a couple of these, and this is normal practice where you go back and forth and they look at different petitions and make sure it's yeah. If I actually had to send them some information. Yeah, I, I yeah, I won't go into that because so. it doesn't carry the full seriousness of the punch with the word minor in it. No, but this is why I'm saying I don't think the actual cabinet members are necessarily conspiring, but the bureaucrats keep on telling them within the cabinet papers that I've read that it's just a minor amendment. Are these it's people not curious? Date. Just rubber stamp it, and so the last cabinet, they were like, "Yeah, we'll just accept it. We're just going to go ahead with this." There was no. Talking Boy, about well, that pushovers. If it was me, I'm telling, you, I'm not, you know, making a big deal, but I, I'd be, you know, I'd be as cynical as hell in my approach to something like this, just as a default, because you don't want to get into trouble. But maybe they don't know about the stage two of the lockstep, which is the amendments that come into force next May. And I suppose a lot of them supported the COVID restrictions, so this is right in their wheelhouse of thinking. Possibly. Yeah, okay. I still find it hard to believe that you could be that ignorant or unaware and, you know, the BS meat is not going through the roof, you know? Well, what I find really interesting as well, and I I may have mentioned it earlier, is within the Cabinet papers I was reading last night, they're saying, yes, this is definitely going to have financial implications, but we don't know what that is at the moment. And we've just come out of the COVID regime. 70 billion. Exactly. So what is it going to cost our nation to do this? And why do we need to do it now? If pandemics only happen every 100 years, why are we moving so fast? It just seems like a knee-jerk reaction to me. Well, if you want wouldn't to control it people, it's not. <laughs> it's perfectly. Wouldn't it be, but say if we we just take the, the centre, middle view, yep. wouldn't it be better to review what's actually happened over the last couple of years, decide where we got it right, <laughs> Or where we got it wrong, review it, and then decide the next step. Why are we just shooting from the hip? Yeah, well, that's what I'm struggling with here. That's why I keep asking Mm. silly questions, I suppose. But I'm not asking silly questions. I'm just. I just don't get that people can be so. Oh well, she'll be right. I suppose that's the national attitude, isn't it? I don't think that's even what's happening here. People are just totally unaware. (laughs) There's a small lot of people that are starting to become aware and we're trying to get the message out there but it's also being met with well if it was really happening it was that bad then surely i'd know about this but that's also to do with the media why isn't the media taking this up? okay do you have any uh, idea about that well we know that the media is state funded <laughs> the mainstream media pretty well yeah yep. so is there something going yeah, on? Yeah, but you'd only instruct a media, you'd only instruct a media not to talk about it if you wanted to hide something, if you didn't want it discussed. So if you're ignorant and oh, I didn't, you know, it doesn't sound too serious, you wouldn't be in that mode. You wouldn't care. Or could it be that the media just doesn't really know about it? If it's not going through the house and being debated, it's going through stuffly in the background. Well, journalism's fallen over then because Back well, I can agree day. with that. No, no, we can all agree with that. <laughs> but back in the day, you, you'd have, you know, journalists <laughs> yeah. like dogs with a bone that'd be going after everything, every whiff of yeah. everything, you know. doesn't happen anymore. Well, I mean, we had the young lady in the Murray party saying there was a home invasion. So, yeah. And wasn't that just a good, someone wishing a goodwill and 
like your style or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. if it fits, if it if it drives a particular reaction, you, you'll use it these days, right? Mm. But my biggest concern is, and I haven't actually seen it, but I was told on the AM show that Chloe actually said because she's not actually going to consult anymore about climate change. She's actually just going to go ahead with it because the people have elected her, and so now she can speak for all the people. Like a mandate. It would appear so. And as I said, I actually haven't seen it, but that is my honest How old understanding is she? of the situation. She's in her 20s, isn't she, or something? Uh, well, yeah. I... I'm not sure if she knows who she is after a video I saw today, so I'm not sure oh, if she knows the one on she the, on the band retunder at Albert Park, that one? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just that people with not much life experience can be dangerous. Anyway, it's the point I'm making, and I've, I've, yeah. we've all learned that. Okay, so um, do you think um, this, um, you know, the, okay, the cup of tea first move, is, is Winston and his team going to get that? That would have to be a bottom line, wouldn't it? I mean, our listeners would say that would have to be a bottom line. If you can't get that across the line, I'm sorry, we wasted our vote. To be brutal, because that's what it's all about. He's there's eight people out of 122. Yeah, but he can stop. Obviously, it. he can make it very difficult. He can make it difficult, and yeah. he will take try it to the edge. Take it. He can take it to the edge. Yeah, and I know I have support from the other politicians that are in there. Yeah. With this petition, and, and I hope that I can actually take the petition and hand it to them. Right. What sort of response have you had to the? I don't mean to sound nasty or anything, but mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, our listeners particularly are passionate about this. They're well informed. They know it is a hill to die on eventually, actually. Mm-hmm. So um, they know that. Um, what sort of response have you had to that petition? It's been amazing. I'll just update the numbers right now if you want, Paul. Cool. I'd love to. Yeah. Real time. <laughs> cool. Let's go live. (laughs) How exciting. Real-time update. We're just approaching 13,000. I released it on Saturday. There's been no advertising. That's just been from putting a Twitter. Well, that's reassuring, actually. that's That's a good news thing. So what we're really hoping to do is now that we've got over the 10,000 is we're going to take it to Lobby for Good, and they will help me do a awareness campaign. So one thing that we do need is money. <laughs> yep. So we're just sort of looking at that at the moment. So I might better send you, the Law Society has said that I can accept donations into the trust account as long as they use to pay for a campaign the for specific a client. Thing. Yeah. yeah. So I could even give my trust account if people want to start donating because 1st of December is coming up very quickly. I don't know if we're going to be able to get that much out between now and then. But if we don't opt out, or even if we just reserve our decision, which I think is probably the sensible approach yep. for the new government, yep. we have to raise public awareness with the average mum and dad about what the amendments mean and what the proposed treaty means as well. So, I mean, I'm just a lawyer. I'm a bit boring. I'm not good at media. So we actually need right. professional people doing that and getting the marketing out so and the time frame is only only for the remaining part of this month is that that time frame you're talking about oh so my petition's only open till the first of december i'm talking with parliamentary services at the moment about that but then we also run into christmas as well and then parliament takes a break and then we come back so we're just looking at that but also this is why it also becomes very urgent 
yeah. is because May is not far away when you take the Christmas holidays and lazy January into play. Yeah, that's true. Comes up pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure people will give to that if they uh, know where to send the money because um, because they're very motivated. Tell me about the sort of um, okay. You haven't had any mainstream media interest so far, have you? Um, not the classical mainstream media. I had, I guess, well, I had the platform. I did an interview with them. Okay. So that was very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> How did that go, do you think? Um, I didn't really get a word in. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, nothing's changed there, obviously. Yeah. It was yeah. definitely, I'm not sure why I was invited onto the program, to be quite fair. Oh, you were invited? I was invited. Okay. So what I was the invitation quite... like? Was it all, hi, it's whoever here, and do you want to, was it kind of a um, nice I have invitation? kind of been talking to Sean in the background, and I thought when I got the invitation to come on to talk about the petition, that I'd be given a fair go, that I would be allowed to actually get a couple of words out hmm. um, without it being rammed back down my throat and being told I'm a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Asking me whether there were nanobots in the vaccine, to which I said no. Well, you should know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so no, the, it didn't go well. Li- he gave I... you the litmus test. Was there any 9 11 questioning there? Yes, there was a 9 11. Oh, okay. Question. Well, it's a regular one. What about, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, what was, uh, I think there's another one that'll come. Oh, to there me. was chemtrailing, which oh, I chem trails, never, yeah, I don't yeah. think I've ever posted about chemtrailing. Yeah. Um, but that was through Charlie Mitchell's stuff article. Oh, he and didn't even I've do been... his own. Re- he didn't even do his own thinking. Okay. No, and the the strange thing was when he first called me a conspiracy theorist. I think with the Winston interview a couple of months back, I actually went back to him and said the reason I'm upset, and I'm like always. I mean, when I say I'm upset, I'm always trying to be reasonable. I said you haven't even researched it. You have just taken Charlie. Oh, yeah, Mitchell's but he's a genius. Words. He's a genius journalist, Kirsten. You've got to. Realize yeah. that you don't need to research things once. Yeah, you... but I mean, Hoskins did the exact same thing. So over well, Christmas, when I'm not so busy, I'm going to sit down and listen. And yeah, there might be a defamation case next year because oh. if these journalists are just going to repeat stuff, not do their research, try to portray me in a certain way, falsely, you know what? I think there needs to be consequences. It's not going to cost me any money because I can do it myself. Yeah. Because well, the, con- it is not the consequences fair. for I mean, him is no one's listening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the consequences for other people, I mean, you told me a story before we went on, and I won't repeat it, but someone else that was very time. upset. Yeah. 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 So yeah. if I've got the skill set, I should actually be holding them to account. Okay. Um, so yeah. you, you didn't get a chance to have any sort of a say and, um, you know, he knew everything and you didn't. I can just pick out. No, I was just yeah, pretty much told that I was a nutcase. Okay. And even no. when I brought up the climate change, which is, he denies climate change, as you probably know for a lot of us. I said, well, this actually brings in climate change into the argument. Yeah. Which I got, climate always changes and even went off on a tangent about that. So it didn't matter what I was going to say. He was going to be obstructive. Yeah. If you'd appeared on River of Freedom, you would have been all right because you kind of liked that for some reason. <laughs> oh, I was on River of Freedom. <laughs> oh, well, you must have missed that bit. <laughs> I was the good-looking redhead, remember? I <laughs> know. Uh, actually, you're right, too. You were. Okay, well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. But in a way, 
I've seen some of the comments that have been generated from that. I was just curious. Um, couldn't quite bring myself to watch because it's it's difficult. But I, I read some of the comments, and did they call it ratioed? He was ratioed off the planet. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I was not upset, like not cr- – I was just – wasn't ready for it. It was half past seven in the morning. I thought I was giving my time to discuss something. I promoted a show, etc. And for it just to come in straight like that. And I actually today thought, why am I bothering doing what I'm doing? I have put thousands of hours in for free in the last three years. Yeah. I have taken hits publicly. Um, people come to me all the time. My business well not that my business has suffered, but obviously my finances are down. Of course. I've got a stressful situation at home with my husband and a special needs child. So why am I doing this when I'm treated like this? So I think over Christmas I'll reflect on that as well because it's yeah. Well, it's Kirsten, if it's if it's any consolation to you, you're doing a fantastic service. Thank you, but I've been doing it for close to three years now and I'm tired. Okay, and I understand yeah. that. And there will come a time yeah. where you, you will expand that. But yeah. don't, I mean, well done, you know, is all I'd say. Thank you. Well, maybe everyone should give. <laughs> they should give and also maybe unfollow people that yeah, yeah treat people like that. Okay. Yeah. Is there is there anything else that we need to sort of um, look at here? I mean, I've sort of jumped all over the place. Probably, yeah. it would have been easy to go in a in a, in a very sort of uh, uh, formatted sort of order of things. But uh, yeah. okay, well, let, let's revisit the key points. What are the key threats to our sovereignty, our nation, our freedom, if we go along with this BS? My the speed at which things are happening. Yeah, that's a really important factor. We've got a new government in play. They need to understand what's going on. Yeah. So we definitely need to either opt out or reserve our decision. Yeah. If we don't do that positive action, we're actually going to be bound to it. So that's yeah. very, very important that we do this on the 1st of December. And if Luxton doesn't want to opt out, I would say please consider just reserving decision, just giving yourself time to do your due diligence. I mean, that's what we call it in law, due diligence. Yeah, you need yeah, to get up to speed, understand the implications. Well, he should know that from his corporate world. You'd hope so. Then we also need to educate the public because last time I checked, although I have spoken about the erosion of democracy in the last couple of years, we still claim to be a democracy so we need to be educating our people about how, what the how do we do that, though, Kirsten? And- Can you see a way of doing that? I mean, there's billboards, there's advertising. How do we do that so it gets in and people realize what the hell we're talking about here? So I can get lobby for good to help me do the awareness campaign. But as I said, that's actually not my job. I'm just doing it because I'm so concerned yeah. about the erosion of democracy and the future of my country. So what we really need to be doing is putting the pressure on the politicians because politicians actually respond really well to political pressure from the people. Good point, yeah. Then they will have to go to the media, get the media, the mainstream, or lamestream as I like to call it sometimes, interested in it, because we need to get the information out, and unfortunately the mainstream is the filter out to the general population. 
I mean, so you guys do a great sort of, job. Um, but... Email writing campaign um, on mass that uh, gets yeah, the attention. Yeah, but I know just from running as a candidate and also just being an advocate, the amount of emails you get, like sometimes you just don't read them. Yeah, too many. So I, I don't really encourage people to make appointments with the local politicians. Right. Maybe go in as a group. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yep. Um, hopefully, with lobby for good, we can get a little pamphlet where people can print it off themselves, give it to their friends, which will have like 10 little points explaining it with maybe, I hate to say it, the QR code, because I don't like QR codes. No, but I don't like them either. Can, no, but somehow linking them through to a website, linking them to how to donate, because yeah. unfortunately mainstream media costs money. I won't be taking any fees from this, so I'm not a grifter as such. And I think in the whole time I've done all this work over all these years, including two court cases, I've earned the grand total of $5,750 before tax. Yeah, not quite grifting. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to put that out there before someone accuses me of that. Yeah. Yeah. Look, there'll be plenty of our listeners who want to help you in any way they can. And uh, I don't know how, uh, what, what is a good way to get, to connect with you if if they're seriously thinking that they can help you out some way? So I was one of the work addresses, so please don't send it to Kirsten because uh, I get enough emails. Yeah, but if yeah, you but you'd pro- probably be overloaded on that, so don't send it to that. Okay. No, yeah, so yeah. the email that you could send it to is Rebecca at kmmfamerylaw.co.nz. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think with the replay of this, and that's the other thing, folks, share this big time. That will help. But with the replay, mm-hmm. we can uh, put that link in as yeah. well. Okay. But, I mean, what's happening should be raising alarm bells. I don't have the answers, but we need to be doing the due diligence before we enter into these binding documents. If we do enter into them, can we walk away still at any point? I mean, we could do anything we wanted, really, in the end, couldn't we? But it would, Yeah, be, at the end, like, there's not actual... I mean, they can't take a country to jail like you take a person to jail. They won't be fining us. But they can exclude but us. The yeah. problem is, is like with UNDRIB and with the Hey Purpura, like you put it into domestic laws oh, and then right. it's really hard to undo. And then you've yeah. got the pressure of the other nations through trade and embargoes. Yeah, so it could seriously affect us. Yeah, so it's kind of like peer pressure on steroids. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Now, but if we sort of opt out and 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 do the normal process there and not sort of have a big tantrum and sort of walk away after we'd signed something, we're still going to be in the same boat, though, aren't we? We're still we'll still be on the outside if everyone else piles in. Well, I mean, I was talking to someone else today about this. Like, my rationale is if we actually agree to do something, it's highly unlikely that we're going to walk away quickly. Yeah. It would take a change of government. Look at what has happened in the last six years and look what has happened in the last three years. It has just accelerated. Yep. yep. Like the co-governance, the control, the lack of the democratic process, the stealth legislation, and lots and lots of judges are talking about it as well. So in what way are they talking about it? About the erosion of democracy. So that they're, they're, they're concerned about it, are they? They are. Well, that's that's good to hear. Yeah, I've spoken to a couple of judges that are very, very concerned about it. So, and I've had quite a few lawyers reaching out, especially since I've been a New Zealand first candidate, 
yeah. the higher profile. So people are very aware of what's going on. It's still that next step of taking this, like as I was talking to one barrister, they're like, we so back you, you're doing amazing work, but we just, we can't come forward. And I said, that's okay for the moment. You keep talking to people, doing the groundwork. But I said, I'm sure very, very soon I'm going to see you next to me. Okay. And so I need all these people next to me and they will come forward. But also I understand why it's so scary when you get those hit pieces from Charlie Mitchell and the Sean Plunkett's. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, actually you know that's it's probably more bluff than real. The perception mm. of it anyway, because in the end, who cares what Charlie Mitchell thinks, you know? Oh, the thing is, he actually did me a huge favor. All these people reached out to me because of the story. Well, and so many said, people were like, we're so supportive of, supportive of you. Sorry. Yeah, well, it, you, yeah. it brings you out of the woodwork. But, uh, um, yeah. I mean, several attempted hit pieces, if you want to call them that, on us turned out to actually be. Yeah. Um, you know, quite favourable in, in, in the way it was constructed. And I don't know if he knew what that he was doing there, but that's yeah. Kind of well, someone said to me, no publicity is bad publicity. But, yeah. Well, that's what yeah. probably you want to think about what happened yesterday on the yeah. uh, on the platform. And that's why with the defamation case, I'm just going to consider that carefully. Like part of me really wants to do it. And then the other part is like, is it worth actually tying up the court's time? Probably not in the end. Probably not. But yeah. you, you'll decide that. And what's the best or what's the bet? that uh, if we sign up to this, the next pandemic will suddenly arrive. No comment there, Paul. <laughs> no, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's and, – and they talk about zoonotic origin. That's another thing I was going to mention all the time. Yeah. But, I mean, this thing came out of a bloody lab. Well, that's the other thing is – I mean, it's all – When I was reading that – Gaslighting, isn't it? I mean, all the way. Sorry. Yeah. Because I actually read that clause and I was just like, wow, because there is so much coming out around the world, and especially the Chinese CDC, saying, you know, it could have come from the lab. Could have. Uh. Yeah. And that's why I keep saying, like, why are we doing this knee-jerk reaction? We need to actually review this and decide what actually happened, what were the good things, what were the bad things, and then move forward. But not now. It's the wrong timing. And maybe it is um, the COVID nineteen um, review, which I know Winston will do. Well, that, that's got to be a bottom line. Earth to get that bottom line, right? Bottom line. Yeah, and it's going to be great for national as well because it moves accountability off them because they it was can Labor. bury their opposition party. Yeah, and they will bury the opposition party for a very long time yeah. Yeah. once the truth comes out. Yeah, and that's got a whole new set of legal implications. Hopefully. Yeah, uh, down the line. The other thing too is maybe it should be in the rules to not create bioweapons. That might be a good suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, what's the need for them? Well, I mean, we're talking about equity, etc. Yeah, but you know, and all this fluffy, yeah. lovely stuff within these rules and regulations. So why do we need bioweapons? Well, where's to... that in equity? Yeah, well, everyone gets one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ninety-five <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Kirsten Murphy, lawyer, and thank you for coming on our legal hub this morning. Really appreciate it. Great, thank you so much, and thank you for letting me get a sentence out. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.